You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Jacob Daniel here with another episode of the Daniel 3 podcast. Uh, Pre-recorded stream. This isn't going to be a long one. I had a little bit of a uh, subject I wanted to rant about. And uh, I don't think you can make a full, you know, 60 to 90 minute episode with a guest. It's just a topic that if you've listened to the show, you've probably heard me talk about uh, a fair bit already. But I thought it deserved maybe a little, I don't know, mini rant. Uh, I'm saying 10 minutes, but I'll probably do like 20 or 30 or something like I usually do with these style episodes because I don't know how to stop talking. But you guys like to come listen to me, and I appreciate that. Um, As always, while I'm pulling up my notes here, um, if you want to support the show, you know, patreon.com slash biblical anarchy, you know, any, any dollars going towards me. Uh, to increase my ability to put out content is definitely appreciated um, because putting together content requires me to take time away from my family and also requires me to pay for certain things like equipment, posting, etc. And so just offsetting the costs of that makes me more able to do so. Um, And I appreciate those of you who are already financially contributing. It certainly means a lot. And um, I definitely want to do more for my patrons as soon as I uh, find the time to do so. I have uh, some things in the works. I still have t-shirts I'm going to make at some point. Um, uh, you know, a couple concept designs that just need fleshed out the rest of the way. Um, uh, so that'll be in the works coming out. Um, as always, we have the sponsor, Rabbit Eye Blueberry Wine. Um 
rabbitiy.com uh if jesus I mean, it's, i'm getting tired of making the slogan you know what i mean I, I never meant for this to be like a radio show where i read the same uh <laughs> advertisements each time but i don't know uh if jesus was turning water into wine it would be rabbit eye blueberry wine um that is the saying i came up with um all right so enough enough uh horsing around uh beating around the bush uh so Tonight, I wanted to talk about the Nirvana fallacy, and this is something I've talked about a lot in my show, and, you know, I, I don't know if I've often defined it. Um, it's a bit of, you know, kind of like a uh, logical fallacy used in argumentation, um, and I think it relates to sort of the topics that I, I talk about a lot and just some interactions that uh, I've had on Twitter and um, um, with people in general. Um, so... This just comes off Wikipedia. There might be better definitions off there, but I think the Wikipedia definition is certainly suitable enough. Um, so the Wikipedia definition is, let's see, the Nirvana fallacy is the informal fallacy of comparing actual things with unrealistic, idealized alternatives. It can also refer to the tendency to assume there is no, that, that, sorry, to assume there is a perfect solution to a particular problem a closely related concept is the perfect solution fallacy. By creating a false dichotomy that presents one option, which is obviously advantageous, while at the same time being completely implausible, while a person um, using the Nirvana fallacy can attack any opposing idea because it is imperfect. Under this fallacy, the choice is not between real-world solutions it is rather a choice between one realistic achievable possibility and another unrealistic solution that it could in some way be better. So this is sort of something that I bring up a lot because, you know, I think we hear this, uh, those of us who are of the libertarian, especially anarchist persuasion, you know, sort of like, oh, that, that's such a utopian vision uh, that, that you could have society that governs themselves and with no state and, uh, and all that, um, no military defense, no, no board, you know, and some, some of it's obviously misconceptions, right? Like, you know, people be like, well, you need borders. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I believe in private property rights and private borders. And, you know, I, I think those are necessary for society. I think the state, um, acts against legitimate borders being constructed and upheld. Um, you know, I believe in, in, in rules and, um, uh, you know, pushing back against those who uh, violate against people's uh, rights, their property rights and their, and their bodily autonomy. Uh, the state is often the aggressor who most commonly is the one who is violating people's uh, property rights and their bodily autonomy. So a, a lot of this is just people just having a uh, poor understanding, I think, of the state and the uh, its actual function and design. But, you know, sometimes there's also a bit of a, I guess, a, a debate going on here that kind of pertains to the Nirvana fallacy, um, which, which has to do with sort of like human nature. And it's like, well, you know, anarchy could never work and is just a completely unrealistic or unbiblical worldview because it completely, completely discounts the, uh, the, the true depravity of human nature. Um, 
which which I find funny. Let me take a drink for for a sec. But I I, I find this funny. And I, again, I think this is just a complete straw man of what anarchism is as a political philosophy. I mean, nowhere in, in no serious anarchist political uh, theorist uh, touts out, you know, anarchist polycentric legal theory or anarcho-capitalism as, as some sort of utopia where, you know, the entire world will be this and everyone will be at peace and there'll be no war and no conflict and no murder and no rape and no theft and nothing bad will ever happen. Um, that's, that's just, just completely silly and a complete straw man of what, um, again, what, what, what serious anarchist philosophers and political theorists have written and put out there as far as like, you know, written and spoken content. Um, you know, I, I, I find people sometimes who used to be, you know, self-described libertarians and anarchists who claim to have read the literature. And, and it seems clear to me that they, they really haven't. I mean, anyone who goes through Murray Rothbard's private law um, essays and, you know, or has read Bob Murphy's chaos theory and, and just looked into the, the many ways in which anarchists are honestly dealing with the problem of human evil and dealing with the complete recognition that you know society will never be a utopia that is devoid of problems that is devoid of you know human failings and corruption and and people trying to obfuscate private property rights and break contracts um, or commit aggression against other people this always this will always exist and I feel like the problem here is that there is a straw man being set up. And then if you challenge the straw man, the often common um, reflexive response is, is, is people invoking some sort of Nirvanian fallacy. Um, sorry, my throat is really dry. So... We all, you know, if we if we start with the premise that there is human evil, right, and that bad things will happen, just in a vacuum, like like take, you know, the context of political systems out of it, and just pretend that like, you know, we enter naked into the world and we observe that, hmm, there's going there's people going around taking other people's stuff, and hurting other people, and cheating, and breaking contract. And, you know, just there's all these different problems. And, you know, what do we do about that? Like, how do we understand and identify the problem? How can we define, you know, with objective standards, what right and wrong is in this context? And then what can we do about uh, correcting these errors that are being committed, right? That would be the way one goes about it. Now, to throw a Christian wrinkle into this, I mean, you know, as a as a, a Christian might, you know, say, well, we start with the Bible and 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 the Bible and the scriptures and 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 God define right and wrong for us, and I, I would agree with that. Um, but the Bible also like acknowledges that not everyone uh, believes in God explicitly and has come to faith, but God's moral commands are written on their hearts and i believe that 
the Bible is consistent with sort of a natural law theory. And I believe that um, God's moral decrees are, and what is normative, can be derived through logical deduction, through observing the natural order that God created. Um, and, and using our agency in our minds to observe uh, the things that people kind of act out already. Um, so there's nothing wrong with um, engaging with non-Christians in non-Christian-based arguments, trying to define what is right and wrong within a sort of rights-based concept. You know, I mean... There are things that are right and wrong on a deeper level to like a Christian on a religious level. Like, um, you know, let's say masturbation would be something that um, would be considered, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, sinful, uh, you know, caving into a, like a sinful desire and serving the flesh um, and not, you know, not using your body in the way that God intended to. Or um, let's say you're having sex out of wedlock. Another thing that would be just considered, you know, sexually immoral according to the Bible. But if we are going to have a legal system, which again, seems to be something that has to exist, you know, if we, and the Bible supports this, you know, I, I think Romans 13 supports the idea that there needs to be the arbitration of uh, civil justice through some sort of civil governance to, um, adjudicate property rights and to, uh, you know, a tear to those who do evil. But I think evil in this context is, you know, about people who are committing aggression. I do not think we're supposed to bear the sword against somebody who uh, is having sex outside of wedlock, uh, you know. So, you know, it, and if you want to make that argument, if you, you know, there are people who might listen to this who are more into, you know, let's, let's use the state to enforce a Christian morality, you know, separate, separate podcast episode for that. I, I guess that, you know, I don't want to throw too many things into the, uh, into the crock pot here. <laughs> so, my nose is itchy. So, the, where was I? So, yeah, we need some sort of legal order to settle issues that are pertaining to people's rights, specifically their property rights and their right to self, you know, ownership in terms of, you know, that that no one would initiate aggression against their person. Um, and then so the question then becomes, all right, so we've acknowledged that there are problems. We acknowledge that, you know, if, if we admit that there are things like murder and theft and they are wrong and we make logical deductions about them, it's like, well... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, theft is wrong because you are 
taking something from someone else that belongs to them. Well, that's inherently acknowledging that there is a system of property rights and that people can own things. And if murdering people is wrong, then that's an acknowledgement that among the things that people own, they own themselves and you don't have a right to take their things or to hurt them or to take their life away. So we can clearly establish the rights that exist. Um, and when we're talking about rights, at least in terms of human interactions, you know, we're talking about what you can force, what you, you know, the just use of force in any given situation. And, you know, can we use just force on things that are not based upon rights? You know, can we force someone to attend church? Can we force someone to wait until marriage to have sex? Can we force someone to, to, to not be gluttonous? Um, no, you know, th this is not biblical. And anyone who tries to um, do so otherwise, again, that's, for, the, for, the, for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to uh, just assume that we have agreement on that. And if we don't, again, that's a separate debate about uh, biblical norms and, 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 and all that. So if we have rights and we need to have, you know, systems that protect those rights, the question then becomes, well, what should that system look like? How do we build this? It becomes kind of like a uh, system building equation, right? So, so really, anarchist political theory is not looking at the world in a sort of like, well, everyone will just always do good. It, it, it does start with the acknowledgement through empirical observation that people do bad. The, the the necessary next step then is how do we go about solving this? And I would say that the forced false dichotomy here is that you either have a system of rules or you have a system of no rules <laughs> so that's sometimes pushed out. And that's just not true because there are many systems that have rules. The, the question is, how are the rules enforced and who is enforcing the rules? So what I'm getting at is that to invoke some sort of like accusation of anarchists being utopian is a non sequitur because really all the anarchists are saying is that in a weighing of the pros and cons of different systems, polycentric legal orders are preferable to centralized, monopolistic legal orders. Um, you know, and, and whether it's the competition, whether it's the, uh, you know, the prevention of assumed powers by fiat that could be abused, um, you know, there are many different arguments that one could make. But the point is, even if you were going to make some kind of argument for centralized monopoly being better, to call anarchy utopian is false. And I really think it's the other way around. Because to me, the, the anarchist is looking at the world and going, okay, there are people who are stealing things and hurting people. We want to find a way to reduce this. We're not going to eliminate it. We want to find a way to reduce it to the greatest degree possible. 
And we come up with systems and we work within means of what is available to us in terms of social cooperation with the people around us. But what we avoid is trying to become like the ones we're trying to stop. Because, you know, if to stop people from hurting people and taking their stuff, I have to now start hurting people and taking their stuff to protect them. This, to me, is logically debunk. Um, to say that we need a system that extorts people to prevent people from extorting them <laughs> is like saying that I need to jump into the pool to prevent getting wet in the rain. It, it, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, 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 it's just not logically coherent. And that's what the state does. The state is the creation of an entity that is giving people the right via fiat in a specific geographic area to have the monopoly over the use of force and really to be not even subject or not at least consistently and at the same degree subject to the rules that they're supposed to enforce. One could make some kind of minarchist argument to a voluntary state. You know, I would I would just call that a fancy way of describing anarcho-capitalism, but that's neither here nor there. So what's motivating the statist at the end of the day is the nirvana fallacy. And what's motivating the anarchist is a realistic view of humans and human interactions. To me, the statist is saying we can create the perfect system. And we will force the perfect system on you. And anarchy, oh, but look at all the ways that people could possibly get away with things. And they will not accept a, a voluntarist system of governance because they can always find a way to create a hypothetical in which your voluntary uh, governing structures through the market will fall short. Which is... A, exactly what the nirvana fallacy is. It's saying, well, your thing isn't good enough because of my idealized uh, utopian notion that we can create a perfect system that will prevent all bad things from happening, which is just, again, like textbook definition. That is what the nirvana fallacy is. And then even uh, beyond that, the statist is objecting um to to anarchy in imposing their system because of a inability to accept that they cannot control everything around them and and this bothers the status so much to the point where they irrationally feel a need to then become the thing that they are opposing in order to prevent the thing that they are opposing the statist believes that unless anarchy can be shown on paper to prevent every bad thing that is happening, that we must reject anarchy in favor of a system that if we just keep trying, we could definitely get it perfect this time. We've been trying for thousands of years with no avail, but we'll definitely get it perfect this time. And what's more, all, I mean, like 
it's a it's complete hypocrisy because anarchy doesn't prevent every bad thing from happening and people will find a way to skirt your rules and to get away with it like wow gee i'm i'm sure glad that that doesn't happen in a state right like i'm sure glad that we don't have laws on the books that ban rape and that not only do people find ways to skirt these rules and to get away with rape but but even beyond that what ends up happening is a lot of the people who are in charge of this system end up themselves being the ones who are throwing cover for rapists if not committing rape themselves it's not like you know there was some scandal in which it was made clear that a large portion of the people at the top of our system are involved in some sort of pedophile sex ring that all went to some person's island to do this you know what I mean? It, it It's not like we don't see how the criminal justice system that we have, even at local levels, is really just a sham, which is basically just a, a, a barrier to entry for criminal activity. And if you have enough money, you can almost get away with murder. But if you're poor, you can get falsely accused of something you didn't do and be forced to take a plea deal because you can't uh mount a competent legal defense against the 30 charges that the state just threw at you you see the problem here the problem here is we can see in reality how statism misses the mark entirely and in fact the nirvana fallacy arguments made against anarchy are just descriptions of the status quo and people want to avoid the status quo by increasing the status quo. Again, it's it's just... And to see some people who used to call themselves libertarians who are now committing these, uh, you know, completely logically debunked arguments is, again, just, just sad and, and evidence and, and a demonstration of a failure to actually understand the scope and uh, purpose of libertarian uh, theory and to invoke their own, you know, <laughs> Nirvanian utopian fallacy. Like, you know, uh, and it's like anarchy. I mean, that's such an unpopular thing. You know, we need to go back to go back to uh, Christian feudal monarchy. It's like, yeah, good, good, good luck with that too, brother. Like I'm, and, and and to be clear, I don't think that we're going to make the entire society anarchy. I'm just saying that anarchy is anarcho-capitalism and polycentric legal order is the gold standard for the direction we need to be moving governing structures towards. And again, I'm not saying anything like a utopian sort of fallacy here because I am willing to make those incremental steps along the way. If the best we can achieve is some sort of limited decentralized minarchy, then fine, let's let's move towards that direction. But we have to have some sort of standards of what right and wrong are to move in that direction. It's kind of like saying that it's wrong to be anti-murder because people will always murder. It's like, well, no, people will always murder. The goal is to minimize it. I am an anarchist because I am against, um, you know, the idea that some human beings should have 
power and special rights over other human beings where the one the special group can extort and steal and murder and rape and lie and and commit fraud and and indoctrinate children and do all this while claiming to be our protectors and also uh you know breaking all the rules that they enforce upon us i want to move away from that and even if i can't eliminate all of that i'm going to eliminate push to eliminate as much of it as i can and that's completely consistent with having an anarchist view of government polycentric legal order is what i'm after and as close to i can get to that is the way i'm going to go and what i'm going to reject is the utopian notion that i can create a perfect system of um monopolized coercion that will definitely not get hijacked by the very evil that i'm trying to stop so that's it that's all i got wanted to explain the nirvana fallacy and explain where people who are criticizing uh, anarchist political theory are just getting it completely wrong. So that's all I got. Uh, a little bit, yeah, 27 minutes. Like I said, 10 minutes turned into 30. So I appreciate you guys listening all the same. You know, comment. Let me know what you think in the in the comments. Or or let me know on Twitter if you think I'm wrong or you, you have something you want to add to the conversation. If anyone wants to come on and debate me on this i'm always open to that too and uh if you think i'm talking about you in this in this conversation i probably am but i'm not talking about just you there's a lot of you out there and i consider you friends but i think that you are uh just astray and need to you know have a little bit of a uh you know brother come up and you know throw water in your face like batman the, the batman robin meme it's just like no you know cut it out stop being stupid all right i'm going to sign off thanks everybody for watching and until next time remember don't fear the fire sick of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.